The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Well, as Zane said, Merry Christmas Eve. We're glad that you're all here. Um, I want you to imagine for a moment that, um, that someone were to come here from another planet around Christmas time, and wherever this person went, um, whether it was here in the United States or, or other countries, other, other states in the United States, wherever they went all over the world, they noticed the same kinds of things. What they saw was there were, there were lights in people's homes and lights on people's trees, and, and they heard all of these different songs, and the words were different, but the tunes and the, and the music was, was all the same. Um, and there would be this natural question that each one of these people would have, right? They would ask us, what, what is going on here? What are all of you people doing together, like, as, as a planet? Like, what, what's with all the music? What is the thing that you are celebrating collectively as a planet? And the answer is, which we know, the answer would be, well, there's been a baby that's born. There's a male child that was born. And, and these celebrations are kind of normal because whenever someone is born, like this is what we do. We celebrate. We acknowledge those births. And then the next question would be, well, when, when was this person born? And then we would say something kind of strange. We would say, well, they were born 2,000 years ago. And then they would say, well, was, was this child born here? Like, why is it that no matter where we go, we see all of these things all over the planet? Where was this child born? And we would say, no, the child wasn't born here. The child was born halfway around the world. And even, this is the amazing part, even the, even the people who don't really know much about him, they still celebrate this baby boy's birth. They're still involved and engaged with the lights and all of these things. And, and the question that we have to ask is, Why? What is so special about this baby that we celebrate this child at this time of year? Like we think about other religious leaders. We think about Muhammad or we think about Confucius. And and we might acknowledge their birth. People might acknowledge their birth. but But it doesn't create sort of this global worship this global idea, this global praise of who this baby is. And then their next question would be natural. Like, what's, what's so special about this boy? What's so special about this Jesus that, that separates him from, from every other child that's ever been born? That you would go out of your way to acknowledge this person, person's birth. And all month long here at Westway, we've, we've been answering that question. We've been talking through the book of Isaiah to answer that question. Um, Isaiah is in the Bible's Old Testament, and we talked about the way that, that this letter describes someone who is chosen to bring justice. When we read through the book of Isaiah, we see that the child that's foretold was, tos- was chosen to bring justice. And then the second week, we talked to the way, about the way that the letter describes someone who is commissioned to return people to God. And that return to God didn't just didn't just return them to God. It didn't just kind of fix this horizontal relationship, but it impacted and affected the way the people related to one another. This is is what this child came to do. And then this past Sunday, we talked about the way that that this child, this Jesus, um, describes someone who is going to comfort the weary. 
Like that's what the Bible tells us about this particular baby. And if, and if we were, if we didn't know the rest of the story, if we didn't know that I was talking about Jesus, and my guess is whether you're a follower of Christ or not, you, you kind of knew we were going to talk about Jesus tonight, right? And the question that we have to ask is like, why is that? What, what is so special about this baby? And I think we might see people who do the kinds of things that Jesus did today. So there are, there are people... There are people who seek justice today. They don't have to be Christians. They don't have to be of any faith. There are people who don't believe in any God who, who for whatever reason, it's wired into them to seek justice. There are people today who are, who are out to connect, to connect to their own spirituality. Right? We might hear this. We might hear someone describe this as, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And there are people who, who will help you connect spiritually to other things. And, they'll, and those same people will expect that like your spirituality will, will cause you to be kind to other people, regardless of whether or not they're a Christian. Like their spirituality, we would expect that it would help you to be kind to other people. And we also know that there are people today who seek to provide comfort to people who are weary. Right, so, so we, have this, we have this character that we're sort of being introduced to in the book of Isaiah. God is going to do all these things. And then let, there's other people that we see that, like, we don't celebrate. I mean, we celebrate my birthday on October 14th at our house. But the whole world doesn't celebrate my birthday. And I would like to think that I try to do those same things that Jesus did. And my guess is, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, you would probably like to see like a more just world, right? You would see things that are wrong and you would be filled with the desire to bring justice. Whether you're a Christian or not, you would probably like to see people connect with spirituality, wherever that, whatever that looks like. And then they would be manifested in the way that people treat one another. And then lastly, my guess is, whether you are a follower of Christ or not, if you saw someone who was weary, my guess is you'd probably try and comfort them in whatever that sort of looks like. But again, like we, we don't celebrate any of your birthdays in the way that we celebrate Jesus's birthday, as great as it would be. So we have to ask this question, what, what is it that sets Jesus apart? Why, why all the hubbub for this? What is it about him that sets him apart? Not only from, from other religious leaders throughout history, but what sets him apart from us when we try to do those things? Well, last week as I was, as I was reading and prepping for last Sunday's message about, um, about Jesus comforting the weary, I came across this interesting little verse in Matthew chapter 11. So we talked about Matthew chapter 11 last week, and as I was reading through it, um, it's verse 20 in Matthew chapter 11. And honestly, when I, was, when I was reading through Matthew chapter 11 for my sermon, like I kind of skipped right over um, verse 20. Like I, I read it, but, but I didn't really take it in. I didn't really take it into consideration. Um, and it should be up on the screen here um, in a second. And, and this is Matthew 11 verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins, and turned to God. Now, this, this kind of seems like a, a pretty like inconsequential verse. 
right? One, again, one we might read and not, not really take into account what it is. Here, here at Westway Christian Church, um, I've called verses like this for years, not just since my time here, but I consider Matthew 11, chapter, verse 20, to be kind of a throwaway verse. Like I read it, but it, it doesn't, really, doesn't really mean very much. I, I don't really take it into account. Um, and then I reread it. Because one of the things that I've learned in my life is whenever I see kind of a throwaway verse that's easy to skip over, that I'm comfortable with, maybe your brain does this if you're reading through the Gospel of John and you hit John 3.16, like you don't necessarily have to be a Christian to know John 3.16, like the guy in the end zone at every football game is holding the sign up, right? We know what it says, for God so loved the world, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See how quickly I did that, right? That's a throwaway verse. I can spout it off. I don't have to think about it. But this Matthew eleven twenty really stuck to me. I'm going to read it again. It says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. And see, what, when we slow down and we read this verse, we see something kind of amazing. Um, see, Jesus wasn't just a good man doing nice things for people. I think sometimes we have this mindset that Jesus came because he was a good person, who's going to do good things for good people who deserve those good things. Pointing us to live a good life. But that's, that's not what Matthew 11.20 says. Matthew 11.20 says that he actually came because of our sin. See, Jesus did these nice things that we think of that Jesus does. He, Jesus did these nice things because he wants to point people to God. And every single thing that Jesus did, whether it, was, whether it was helping the blind to see or the lame to walk or the deaf to hear or the people that he raised to life, the good news that he preached to the poor, Jesus did all of these things for the reason that they might be led to God. That's why Jesus did them. Again, Jesus wasn't just a nice guy doing nice things for nice people to go out and live a nice moral life. And if we're not careful, what we're going to do is we're going to reduce the Christian life to a good moral life. I'm just a good person. And that's not why Jesus came. This, Jesus' purpose, pointing us to God, is the reason that Jesus came. This is the ultimate reason that Jesus came. This is Matthew uh, verses one, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Here's the verse that matters. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. See, those last words are from the prophet Isaiah. All of these things are happening so that these words would be fulfilled. These verses talk about who Jesus is. They talk about his character. This Emmanuel, as, as it says, means God with us. 
Jesus isn't just a name. Emmanuel is not just a name. It actually means something. It's an identifier. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Like when we know who God's character is and we can trust him and then we're going to be obedient to him. See, in our culture, our names typically don't mean very much. We might know what our names mean, but, but those things typically we don't think of as identifying us. With Jesus, it was different. With Emmanuel, it was different. It was God with us. See, God came to be with us. That's who he was. And again, why? Why did Jesus come? Here's, here's some more Isaiah. This is, verses, this is chapter 53, verses 3 to 6. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. See, Jesus came to intercede for our sins. This is the whole point of the Christmas story. Say it again. Jesus did not come as a good person to do good things so that we could be good people. That's not why he came. To make us morally Better. See, Jesus came to intercede for our sins. Jesus came to fix a problem that we had, a problem that we have created. It's what sets Jesus apart from all of these other religious leaders. It's what sets Jesus apart from us. Because again, we can, we can try and bring justice. We can try and connect people with their spirituality that will manifest itself in outward behaviors that take care of other people. We can try and comfort the weary, but none of those things intercede for our sins. See, none of those things deal with the actual problem. And we live in a culture, we live in a day and an age where our problems are everybody else's issue, right? I'm this way because somebody did this thing. Somebody said this thing. This is, this is the economic status that I was born into. This is the way, this is what our culture tells us. This is the air that we breathe. And Jesus is, is, is here to, to fix our problem. And our problem is our sin. It's not these other things. I love the way Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 talks about this. It says this, Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. He's writing to a church. He's writing to a group of believers because he wants to remind them of who they were. He wants to point out to them who they were before they entered into this relationship with Christ. And if we're not in a relationship with Christ, like we need to know that this is going to describe us. It certainly describes who I was before Jesus, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Don't you find that true in your own life? Even if you're a follower of Christ, don't you feel sometimes being pulled by your sinful nature? 
By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. And verse 4 is awesome. It has my two favorite words in the entire Bible in it. It says, but God. See, this is Jesus coming as intercessor. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ. See, what, what makes Jesus different? Why is Jesus so different? It's because he's different. Because Jesus is in a category all by himself. Because Jesus does something for sinful people who can't do something for themselves. There's a, again, there's a lot of things we can do. We can try and bring justice. We can get connected to our inner spirituality. We can love other people. We can comfort other people. But the thing that we can't do the thing that is impossible for us to do is for us to deal with our own sin. Can't be done. And you probably know that to be true. Which is why, like, we have, hopefully, as we grow in our faith and our relationship with Christ, like, hopefully we, we're growing in that, right? We're not as likely to fall into the same sins that we've fallen into in the past, but they still are kind of there lurking. For those of you who aren't Christians, if you've wondered like, like why I can't beat whatever my fill in the blank is, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I just can't beat this. Well, there's a reason for that because you can't deal with your own sin. You need someone to intercede for you and this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus is God come to earth to save mankind. That's why he came. He came to fix what we cannot fix for our own. And tonight and tomorrow, as you're, as you're celebrating, we, um, we were kind of talking over here in this room as the fireside room. And um, for all the people who are serving tonight, we were kind of talking about like, what's your, kind of what's your Christmas Eve traditions? What are your Christmas Day traditions? And we were kind of talking about that. Some people open presents on Christmas Eve and some on Christmas Day. And, and some people talked about like, they eat the same thing every Christmas Eve. Um, they have these little traditions that they do with different families. And, and tonight, like, and tomorrow, when you're doing your family thing, when you're opening presents or having a meal or maybe you sing songs at home, maybe you're going to read um, some Christmas stories, maybe you're going to read the Christmas story tonight, um, I want to encourage you to do, I want you to remember the why behind all of this. Remember the purpose behind all of this. And don't get, don't get wrapped up in Jesus as a good man coming to do good things so that we could be good. That's not the purpose that Jesus came. There's this, I love little throwaway lines. There's this great throwaway line in a, in a U2 song from um, 20 plus years ago. The song's called, If God Will Send His Angels. And the lyric is this, it says, Does love light up your Christmas tree? What lights up your Christmas tree? Is it God? Is it the hope of Christ? Is it Jesus as intercessor for your sins? Or is it just, well, it's Christmas and everyone else is putting up lights and everyone else is giving gifts and everyone else goes to church on Christmas Eve. So like this is like we're all just part of this cultural moment. 
See, I want to encourage you to have a Christmas tree that's lit by love. Christ's love, not, not your love, but Christ's love. So tonight, when you're, when you're driving home from this place, maybe you're going to go to a family member's house or a neighbor's house. Um, I know I'm going to take the long way. Or we live in Gearing over by Oregon Trail Park. So I've, already, I've been thinking about this for the past couple of days. I know I'm taking the long way around the monument, right? So tonight, when you're, when you're driving home, if, if you... Like if you happen to have a close encounter of the third kind, and some of you are going to get that reference, if you, um, if you have a close encounter of the third kind on your way home tonight, and there's this person that says, hey, what's up? what's up with all the lights? What's up with all the music? What's up with all of the trees? I want to encourage you that the answer is simple. The answer is there's a little boy who was born in a throwaway town 2,000 years ago in a manger to a family that no one knew, and that child interceded for my sins. So my only proper response, my only proper response is to worship and praise that child. And we might do that with Christmas trees and lights and songs and presents and and like whatever your family's tradition is. But that's the answer to the question, why do we do these things? One of the things that we do here at Westway Christian Church every time we gather together is we celebrate communion together. And my wife is going to throw me mine up. She's just going to carry it. Thanks, honey. We celebrate communion because, because this thing that we do is a commemoration of Jesus interceding for our sins. See, we don't just, they might ask, why do you do this thing? Uh, you might be driving home tonight and you might have an alien encounter who says, why do you do this thing? Why do you guys all eat that little piece of bread? Why do you drink that juice? What is this all about? Why do you do this thing? Well, the little piece of bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for us when he interceded for our sins. We read that in Isaiah 53. Jesus' body was broken for us. We remember that when we eat the bread. Take and eat. Well, why do you take this? Why do you take this cup? Why do you drink this juice? Like, why do you people do this? Well, this juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. When Jesus interceded for our sins, that wasn't pain-free. It wasn't empty suffering. It was real suffering. It was real pain. It was real intercession. And it's only because of what he did on the cross that we have the hope of new life. Let's take and drink. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful that 2,000 years ago, there was a baby born in a little village 
that was going to intercede for my sin. And when that, when that child grew up and went to the cross for us, he, our sin did not catch him by surprise. He knew all of the sins that we were going to commit. He knew exactly what he was buying on the cross. He was buying sinful people who did committed real sins. And he paid the penalty for our sin on that cross so that we could be free. And there is more to being free than being a good person who lives a good life. I'm thankful for his intercessory work for us. And I pray that amidst all of the all of the hubbub of the season, that we would not lose sight of the purpose that Jesus came to fix what's wrong. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.